Father, as we look into your word, open our eyes. Amen. Welcome back to uh, 1 John. And we're in this book. We're looking at uh, this beautiful passage of scripture. And we are in 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 through to verse, the first part of verse 24. So grab your Bibles and or share with somebody near, nearby you. If it's on your phone, that's okay. If it's on your computer, that's fine too. But make sure that you have the scriptures right in front of you. If you have any questions or thoughts that arise out of the Sunday morning sermon, out of the Sunday morning exposition, then uh, please just text, text it here in the box here or text it to me or the church or WhatsApp number. We would love to be able to take a conversation further and make it possible for you to uh, get deeper in your faith. All right. So let me let me begin by reading the text and remember this is an exposition and not a sermon a sermon is when you uh, take a passage of scripture you begin to apply it to daily life today and you begin to present a, a plan of action for how to live uh, that's always the case with scripture but sometimes it's just good to just look at the scripture and you can only do that with mature people with those who are believers, those who, those who are filled with the Spirit of God, who is the tutor who can take you even further. So therefore, I consider you and I consider our congregation, those who are mature. And so Sunday morning, we do what is known as exposition. I will begin very soon. Please keep praying for me as I uh, begin to prepare sermonettes that will go up on YouTube for a larger audience so that the Lord may use his word to bless it. 1 John chapter... 3 and verses 11. Let me read the entire passage of scripture for you. Verses uh, 11 through to verse 24. For this uh, is the message that I heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message that, I, that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was the evil one, he was of the evil one and murdered his brother. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, talking about Satan, and murdered his brother, talking about Abel. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's deeds were righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Let me see that again, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life. That means we have been saved. We have the life of God. We have the spirit of God in us. We have been born again. <clears throat> we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers, because of the love in our hearts for other brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. You have passed from death to life. You don't love, you're still in death. Okay. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Well, he lives in death and he murders. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him because he hasn't passed from death to life. He's still in death. He still murders in his heart and he does not know life. Verse 16, by this we know love, okay? That he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For, whatever, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. 
and whatever we ask we receive from him why because he keep because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him and this is the commandment that we believe in the name of the son the lord jesus christ and love one another two commandments believe in jesus love one another okay whoever keeps his commandments abides lives in life lives in god has passed from death to life whoever abides in god lives in him and god lives in him what a passage of scripture wonderful wonderful passage of scripture uh, keep your bibles open and if you if some of you as always you do keep your note uh, pens ready as well let's dive right, right into it this morning i have entitled this section of the scriptures a sure way to answer prayer and be rid of nagging guilt because we struggle with these two things a lot we're busy we begin the day early the moment you get up there are emails there's there's texts there's all sorts of things already people are demanding your time then there's the people ringing the doorbell there's the kuda wala there's all sorts of things happening early in the morning you rush to get to your computer you used to go to work but now you get to your computer and you start work or for some of you actually still driving to work getting out to work your day begins and you get into the grind of the day and by the end of the day you're exhausted you're exhausted and you you have you have not had any moment for yourself leave alone for god or for other people or to serve uh, in any other way that leaves you with a nagging guilt it leaves you with a consistent feeling of i'm not living some kind of a life that i think i'm supposed to be living and therefore if i speak to god he's probably not going to speak to me and therefore i can i don't have any confidence in answered prayer nagging guilt always leads to a lack of confidence in praying so we feel guilty because of a certain understanding a certain perspective on our life and our, our our schedules which results in us not talking to god instead of talking more to god about the busy life you know daniel prayed several times a day three times a day five times a day now this daniel was a busy man he was a politician he was in the he was he he would what we what we call ias or administrative services he was in that he was running the country he was running the bureaucracy he was very busy he was a professional he was not a pastor he was not a prophet he was not a priest he was a professional like many of you and he felt it necessary to step out and pray so there was there's something about that but because we don't feel that or sense that and we don't experience those things in our life we not habit habit those things are not habitual we begin to feel guilty guilt then leads to not wanting to pray because there's no confidence that god is even going to answer so why bother it's good to stand and preach comes out different john reminds us the author John reminds us that the command to love has been from the very beginning of creation. This command to love is not a nicety sort of a you know come on children get along everybody get along be nice to one another. -uh. This is a standard of life. This is a way of living. It is the highest form of living. Either you live out of love or you live for the self either you live to worship god or you live to worship yourself either you are heavenly or you are debased either you are spiritual or you are carnal and love is so different to the perspectives we've had the definitions we've come to understand love is is how god thinks here's your definition right there 
Today's definition for love. Love is how God thinks, the way God thinks, the thoughts of God towards his people, towards his family, towards others in the Trinity. John reminds us that love was from the beginning. It is the mode of operation for the godly, those who fear God, those who seek to walk according to his will. It is the commandment that is written on our hearts. He says right from the beginning, God has written on our hearts the commandment. Romans chapter 2 says, man knows that commandment and it's in his heart, but he has suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Every man, that means every human being, knows the love of God knows the command to love and to live from that purpose. It is the opposite of self-worship. So let's begin. Verse, 20, uh, verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. When he says beginning, he's talking about creation beginning. That we should love one another. That means God placed us on the face of the earth. And he says, go multiply. And the more there are of you, the more love should be amidst you. So as you go back to the very beginning, you will see this command obeyed and disobeyed over and over again. And why? Here is an example of Cain. Do you remember Cain? Cain and Abel, the, son, uh, the two sons of Adam. <coughs> Cain and Abel. Cain was of the evil one. Cain was of the evil. The moment you choose not to live in God, you basically choose what Satan chose. So you get clubbed along with him. There is no God and Satan as two equal, equally opposing uh, authorities or powers. Satan is here. Satan is an angel. Satan is a fallen angel. Satan is creation. But he in Isaiah 14 said, I will rise above and to be like God. I will be like the most high one. And there's five I wills where in his heart, he just thought it. And the floor opened up from under him and he was thrown down to the, uh, to the earth along with one third of the angelic hosts. Why? I don't know. But he was thrown out of heaven. What he did was want for himself what is due to God. And he became the evil one. He became perverted. And when man chooses for himself, wants for himself what belongs to God, they are clubbed with Satan. So he says Cain was of the evil one demonstrated that he didn't know God. He showed how he didn't have the love of God in him by the way he could not act in love toward Abel. And the question that he raises here really helps us. Please look at your text, verse 12. Why uh, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. Ooh, terrible. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother brother. This murder business, this killing business, you need to take very seriously. This is not just about hatefulness. This is not just about getting rid of people. This is a deep-rooted desire to do the opposite of life. Wanting to kill, wanting to take life proves that you are not a person of life. You are a person of death. You're not a person of God. You're a person of the evil one. You're not a person of love. You're, it's the opposite. So look at that very carefully as to how this author brings it about. So he says, we should not be like Cain, verse 12, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Good question. Look, because his own deeds were evil. Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Just think about that for a second. 
That's interesting. You normally tend to destroy people who destroy you, or you normally tend to want to kill or, 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 or get rid of people who have done something wrong. But this hatred, this hatred for those who are like God, it started in heaven in the heart of Satan. And it resulted in the hearts of man. Cain killed Abel because he did not like, he hated that Abel was right with God and that his acts were righteous and his own were exposed. He didn't like that. He didn't like that. So because his own deeds were evil, his brothers were righteous. Those who are not of God cannot love those who are right with God. Those who are not of God cannot love those who are right with God. They will not only hate, they will want to kill, they will want to crucify. Verse 13 and following explains this. So he says in verse 13, come on, don't be surprised. He uses the word marvel. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death, death to life. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. If you're dead, you'll always think death. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him because eternal life abiding with you knocks you out of death into life and gives you a desire to give life and live out of life. Abel was not at fault at all. He didn't do anything wrong. He was living and giving by God's command. We know in Luke chapter 11 verse 51 that Abel was actually a prophet. He knew the will of God and he was telling others what the will of God was. So those who are not of the Lord, they hate this because it highlights their self-worship. It shows how self-centered and selfish they are, how carnal they are. So John says, do not be surprised. He uses the word marvel. Don't marvel. If the world hates you, if people hate you, if others hate you, he says, don't get all worked up about it. Some people today are very confused. Minorities commission all the way to uh, persecution and all of that. We are very confused. Why is it that we have done so much for the country? We have loved sacrificially. We have given our lives to serve. We have had no uh, you know, undue uh, ulterior motives. And we have loved so, so clearly, so lovingly, and so sacrificially. And yet it is, it is met with disdain. It is met with dishonor. It is met with disgrace. And we are even condemned for, uh, for what they think is wrong. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. It is not appreciated and furthermore, it is penalized and charged falsely. Don't be surprised. Why? Because those who are not of God cannot, cannot appreciate except those who are right with God. So let's get practical. Love not only is, lives in life. Love not only lives in life, in the life of God, but love is also practical. Love actually shows up in people's lives. There's love of one another. So there's believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's life. He's the resurrection of the life. And that next step translates into loving one another. So your relationship with Jesus should radically alter every other relationship in your life. I repeat, your relationship with Jesus should radically alter every other relationship in life. Look at what he says. Not only is love the highest form of living and exposes self-worship, it also it is also practical, transformational, and sustainable. It makes a change in your life. 
It makes you useful. It makes you transformation. You actually change the lives of people around you. So first example is of Jesus himself, verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. He didn't just say, I love you. He didn't just send cards. He didn't just send likes. He came down and he gave his life. Why? Because love gives and love gives life. I'm going to say it again. Love gives and love gives life. Death hates and death takes life. Death hates and death takes life. Love gives and love gives life. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. What does that mean? But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love, God's love abide in him? Good question. This may throw you, but listen to this. If you have to give, you have to give. If you have it to give, you have to give then God will give so you have, because you give what you have. If you have it to give, you have to give. Then God who will give so that you have, because you give what you have, he will never keep you indebted. He will never keep you indebted. God's love doesn't reside in a person who closes his heart towards a brother who is in need. So he speaks to immature believers because children are like that. Mine, 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 that's mine. Mama, he took mine, that's mine. The children are like that. So he says, my little children, look at this. Look at this, verse, uh, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word only or talk only, but in deed and in truth. In deed and in truth. And let me remind you, truth is not a fact. Truth is a person. Jesus is the truth. In our church, in Covenant Life, in our family, we have the peace plan. The peace plan is our missions plan. P is to promote reconciliation between God and man and between man and mad. We do that by spiritually giving life to people, sharing the gospel, getting communities together, uh, promoting reconciliation. E is for equipping servant leaders. In a world where, servant, uh, where leaders usurp authority and abuse power, we want, to, we want to build and we want to produce servant leaders. We, we preach to you, we transform your lives, we affect your thinking, and we send you out into the workplace as evangelists of the good nature of God. The peace plan. A is for assist the, the poor. Assist the poor means to help a poor person out of poverty. C is for care for the sick. And that is to give enough basic training to a family, to a village, to a small town, to, to a few people in order to give enough of medical and hygienic help to people so that they don't get any worse. Care for the sick. E is for educate the next generation. Give the right to the next generation to be educated because education takes you to, uh, uh, gives you your understanding of your rights. Your rights then allows you to live with respect in this community. So we have the peace plan. And the peace plan is a missional plan to ensure we are seeing and we are serving. To ensure that we are seeing and we are serving. The peace plan. So 
This verse is a practical verse. It says, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. If we're going to be a community of love, if we're going to be a community of God and prove that God lives amidst us and we live in God, that we have passed from death to life, that love gives and love gives life, then we need to lay down our life and put our life aside, our ambitions aside, our dreams aside, and give up what we have and who we have in order for God to work through us in order for God to work through us. If you listen to the, the, the devotion from this morning, which I put out every day, today he talked about how Jesus laid down his life and entrusted to God the outcome of his service. Only a person who believes that God is counting, God is watching, God is caring, God is living in and through me. God has my life. He, he is the custodian of only a person who believes that deep in his heart can lay his life down. You have got to trust God as much as Jesus trusted his father. You have to trust God as much as Jesus trusted his father. The only thing, only reason Jesus could go to the cross the only reason Jesus could take spitting on his face, the only reason Jesus could have a three-year ministry, the only reason Jesus could, uh, could stand in courts and be humiliated by people he made was because he knew there's a God in heaven and that God had allowed this. When we understand that our life is hidden with Christ in God, we are able to lay down our life knowing that we will find it yet again. Through the peace plan, you can get involved. You can sign up, get in touch with Amendra, get in touch with uh, Evelyn, uh, get involved, find some way you can begin to serve in your community. This Christmas, I want us to not to have a Christmas service, but to serve this Christmas. Not to have a Christmas service to be served, but to serve this Christmas. This Christmas, each and every one of us and in our homes and our home groups and, and small church groups, we are going to find ways to serve our community and celebrate Christmas by giving away, by giving away. This brings us to assurance we've been talking about, verse, uh, verse 19. By this we shall know. Underline those words because that's how much God loves you. God wants you, God loves you enough to want you to be absolutely sure about what you're going through, what you have in store for you, what, you, what God has promised for you. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Could you please underline that for your sake? We are of the truth. That's we, we belong to Jesus. We are of the truth. And we reassure our hearts before him. That's where our hearts become stronger and more certain before God. Here's how to be sure. Here's, how, here's what to know to be sure. You go by your conscience and you, and you judge by your conscience. Verse 20, for, whoever, for whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. And whenever our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep, are you with me? I'm in verse 21, 20 and 21. Let me do that again. For whenever our hearts condemn us, two situations, heart condemns, heart doesn't condemn. Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. So when we heart is condemning us, God overpowers that and says, no, I know your good deeds. I know your loving uh, ways. I have been watching you. Don't worry. 
And when your heart doesn't condemn us, verse 21, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. I went over that fast, but I'm going to go go over it real slow uh, right now. First, we check our hearts. You start with your heart. You start with your conscience. First, we check and ensure we are living by love. Am I living a loving day? Am I living a loving role? Am I living loving words? Am I living out of love or am I living out of self-worship? Who is my day about? What are my words about? What do I care is the outcome of my life? If we are, and if you're living out of love, our hearts don't condemn us. Our hearts don't condemn us. Let me, let me bring it home to you. You're not guilty because of a sin. You're not, your conscience doesn't uh, uh, make you feel guilty because of a sin, a specific sin. You are guilty because you know deep in your heart that you acted out of selfishness. Because if you did act out of love, if you did act out of love, you would not feel guilty. Guilt and love, that's where this assurance comes from. And when you are assured, when you are confident, your prayer life takes off. When you've been living a loving life, your prayer life takes off. When you've been loving people by forgiving, by letting go, by, by uh, showing mercy and grace and letting God flow through you, your prayer life takes off. When your words are loving and you choose loving words instead of cursing words or instead of crit critiquing people or, 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 or criticizing people or tearing people apart, when you hold those words back, when you hold back Jeremy Dawson and you give Jesus, and you live out of love, your prayer takes off. You do the math. Do you have a good prayer life? Are you assured of your prayers? Do you have confidence that God will answer your prayers? <laughs> you do the math. You're smart. You pick it up. Reverse the formula. You know what we're talking about. First, we check and ensure we are living by love. If we are, our heart doesn't condemn us. Number two, we can be sure that God will respond to our prayers. We can be sure that God will respond to our prayers and give us the desires of our heart. Why? Because it is a loving heart that lives for others. Because it is a caring heart that sees others before it sees its own needs. If you look at a brother and you have what it is to give and you don't give, uh, you don't have love in you. Because it seeks to please God rather than itself. Look at what he says in the scripture here. It says, because we keep his commandments and do what he says. Do what pleases him. So you can either live to please yourself or you can live to please God. When you live to please yourself, all your relationships are demanded and commanded by how much they please you. When you live to please God, all your relationships are commanded and demanded by what you can do to please God. No, 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 not to please others, but to please God. So you want to treat people, love people, care for people, speak to people in a way that God, as he watches, is pleased. And when you know you've been loving, you know God is watching, you know you have answered prayer. You don't know you have answered prayer. It's because you know God is watching and you know you haven't been loving. So what are God's commands? Verse 23. And this is his command that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ and love one another 
just as he has commanded us. Our religion, our faith boils down to two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and trust him for your salvation and forgive others. Love Jesus and love others. Love Jesus and love like Jesus. This is the assurance that rids us of nagging guilt and assures us of God's response to our prayers. When we know we have been obedient slash loving, when we know we have been loving and we have lived the highest form of living, then we are confident that we are in him. We are confident that we have our prayers answered. John 17 breaks this up for you. As Jesus says, if you abide in me, you can ask anything you want and I will do it for you. Verse 24, last verse. Whoever keeps his commandments, we understood what the commandments are. Number one, believe in the Lord Jesus. And number two, love one another. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God abides in him. What is death? Death is separation from God. What is life? Life in God. A man who is dead does not know God. A man who's dead wishes murder and death for others. He cannot give life to others. And he hates those who have life in God. But those who are alive in God desires life for those who are dead and gives his own life because he knows that he has received life from the resurrection and the life. Every struggle we battle to assure, for assurance, for peace of mind, for belief, for knowledge, of God's will, every struggle we battle with, it's because we are not sure we have been acting in love. We have been living the highest form of life. We have been living out of love. In God, we act in love, act in love, assurance of answered prayer, no guilt. Not in God, we act without love, constant self-condemnation, constant guilt, no assurance of answered prayer. It's very simple. And I will not tell you what to think or make a commitment about, but you will, and I, I will take a moment just now to be quiet and ask God, God, I have been given life. I have been ushered into the resurrection and the life. You have drawn me out of darkness into your glorious light. I love those who have life. And I give my life for those who are yet to have life. Lord, take my life and use me. If I'm guilty, I know what I need to do. I know what I need to do. I don't need to go to confession. I need to go to the cross. I need to give my life. If I'm guilty, and if I don't have certainty in answered prayer, I know, I know what I need to do. I need to start living out of, out of, out of love. I need to start living the highest form of love. You know what needs to be done. But take a moment. Your brother, your sister, your mom and dad, your family members may be around you. Doesn't matter. You're in the presence of the Lord Jesus right now. You're face to face with the Savior right now. Not the one on the cross, the one on the throne. Do your business with God. Be quiet for a moment. Bow your heads. Don't let anybody be more important than Jesus right now. Search your hearts and do what you have to do. Say what you have to say. But don't lose this moment without just doing your business with God. Take a moment. Oh God, 
We don't know how to be loving. But if life flows in our veins, love is the character that will flow through us. The world uses this word a lot, but what they mean is lust. What they mean is indulgence, enjoyment. But what you mean by love, only we should understand because we have come to know you. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this beautiful passage of scripture. And I also thank you for what, the, what you've spoken to the hearts of people <clears throat> so that they may respond to you and that their life might change in hearts and in families and in relationships. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. The first and greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. All law is hung up on these two things. It boils down to, are we in God? Are we not in God? Father, maybe there's somebody this morning who does not know how to go from death to life, from darkness to light. I pray that this morning you would open their eyes and convict them about the simple way of acknowledging Jesus. Jesus as Lord and he being the resurrection of life gives you that life. Jesus, I come to you this morning, recognizing I am a sinner, recognizing that I have lived in sin and I'm separated from God because of my sin. And the wages of sin is death, therefore I live in death. But because Jesus rose again and I place my faith in Jesus, I also rise out of death and I'm given life, life eternal here on earth and forevermore. I believe this and understand this. And I want to give my life to Christ. I want to place my faith in Jesus Christ today. I want to acknowledge that Jesus is the life, the one sent from God, the only one to come from God to give us life. And that by placing my faith in you, I am given new birth, I'm given new life, and I'm raised to life in order to, for a relationship with you and a living relationship with others. This morning, I acknowledge Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that Jesus shed his blood for my sin and washed me clean. And by his power, with him, I rise out of the grave to live for him for every day of my life. If he laid down his life, I lay down my life. If he loved, I will love. If he trusted the Father, I will trust the Father. This morning, I choose to live with Jesus and live for Jesus so one day I can see Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each and every one of us through this week and even forevermore.